Coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast, another chance to fight back against sarcoidosis. This is the Sark Fighter podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 80 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I am your host, John Carlin. And this episode of the Sark Fighter podcast is brought to you by Kinevent Sciences. For more information about the Resolve Lung clinical trial, please visit www.sarcoidosistrial.com. There is more information and a quick link in the show notes. But I want to tell you that FSR and Kinevent are trying to make it as easy as possible to take part in the Resolve Lung trial. In fact, in some cases, you can even now get at-home visits. And if you click on that link that I just mentioned, you'll get all the information uh, from Kinevent and FSR about this. But uh, as you probably know by now, but if you're new, and I'm amazed at the number of people who email me and say, I just found the podcast, I just discovered that I have sarcoidosis, and I'm, I'm trying to find out about it. So the initial treatment for pulmonary sarc and pretty much any kind of sarcoidosis is usually an oral corticosteroid, uh, such as prednisone, which works to decrease inflammation throughout your body. And that works pretty well, uh, but you can only do it for just so long. And as we've discussed at length, there are a ton of side effects to prednisone, especially at high doses and if you are taking it for a long period of time. So then typically after prednisone is introduced, they'll try to wean you off of that. And then immunosuppressive and immune modulatory therapies such as what I'm taking right now, uh, Imuran or Humira, and there's a long list of these, uh, would be given to a SARC patient. But those treatments, treatments do not work for everyone. They are often poorly tolerated. And I can tell you from talking to a great number of people in my own personal experience that uh, you can only take some of these for just so long before they start creating problems in your body, and then you move on to the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing. Uh, until hopefully you find something that works and that your body tolerates. Well, the Resolve Lung Study is evaluating the safety and effectiveness of new investigational medicine called namilumab, that's namilumab, for the treatment of pulmonary sarcoidosis. And they are looking for about 100 participants to be enrolled in study sites in the United States and hopefully eventually Europe. But for the purposes of what I'm talking about right here, as far as I know, it's still limited to the United States. And that could change. It may have changed without somebody telling me. It's not like I would be the first person that they would call up and tell. But so anyway, we're looking for 100 participants to participate in this uh, clinical trial. So participants would initially receive, this is how it works, once monthly injections of nemilumab or a placebo, which is an injected injection with no active ingredient for about six months, and then participants would be randomly assigned to one of two groups, and neither the participants nor the study doctor would know which has been assigned. So that's what you call a blind study. So the doctor doesn't know, the participant doesn't know, and they're looking to see if the people who actually get the drug actually 
uh, show improvement, right? And after, after the initial treatment period, then all participants would have the option to receive nemilumab in a six-month open-label extension so it wouldn't be blind anymore, regardless of whether they were initially signed nemilumab or the placebo. So I can tell you a little bit more about nemilumab, and we've done uh, a couple of podcasts on this, but it is a monoclonal antibody believed to treat the underlying cause of SARC by inhibiting one of the proteins, one of the key proteins responsible for the formation of sarcoidosis granulomas. So it goes right in and gets sarcoidosis where it starts. That's what it does in theory, and it's shown a great deal of promise to the point where now it's in the clinical trial phase. Namilumab has been studied previously in over 300 people, and it was found to be well-tolerated with no serious side effects. And it is still, however, considered investigational because it's not yet approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration or any other health authority for any disease or any condition. So it still very much looks promising, but it's still in the early phases. Clinical trials offer opportunities for patients to partner with researchers to help develop new treatments for these serious diseases such as sarcoidosis. So the possible benefits from taking part in the Resolve Lung Study might include access to the study medicine nemilumab, relief of or lessening of the signs and symptoms of your pulmonary sarcoidosis, increased monitoring of your pulmonary sarcoidosis with a specialist provider, contributing to research which may help others with pulmonary sarcoidosis in the future. But remember, there is no guarantee that you will experience any benefit. That's what the research is all about. So if you are a member of a racial or ethnic group historically underrepresented in clinical trials, Participating in this clinical trial will help ensure the results better reflect the effectiveness and the safety of a new therapy for everyone with pulmonary sarcoidosis. So I just want to throw that out there um, because it's critical. They are recruiting right now for this clinical trial. And I kind of, I've had these folks on here uh, Bill Gerhardt is the CEO, and he has talked about it. And I'll put a link to the to the episodes where Kind of Ant came on and really made a strong case in terms of recruiting people to participate in this clinical trial. And and uh, they 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 are folks who uh, partner with FSR. They are folks who sponsor this podcast. I want to be a hundred percent clear about that, but. Uh, I think that this is something that is of mutual benefit to the sarcoidosis community. All right. Now, speaking of that, I want to tell you that uh, FSR is also recruiting volunteers to take the lead uh, at the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance Facilities. So FSR needs individuals who are impacted by SARC to work alongside these global uh, sarcoidosis clinic alliance facilities. Volunteers will become will be able to apply to become community outreach leaders working together to share the SARC stories with the public and empower others to raise awareness 
or support group leaders who would then work in teams of two to facilitate in-person support group meetings at these FSR Clinic Alliance locations. And you can learn more by visiting the FSR website. The link is stopsarcoidosis.org slash GSCA leaders. And there is a link in the show notes all about that. So sarcoidosis FSR still looking to recruit people at these locations who are going to take the point. And if you are looking to become involved in the fight against sarcoidosis, this is an easy way to do it. There are 30 plus locations now, which are these clinics and hospitals uh, and providers who sarcoidosis, uh, for whom sarcoidosis is uh, a topic that they take seriously And it is not just a random place with a doctor who, yes, can treat SARC, but it is a clinic that's approved by FSR to work in the sarcoidosis community and has shown that they uh, have what it takes to be uh, a member of the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance. I hope I put that properly. It's a a lot to think about, but basically these are the go-to places if you have sarcoidosis and they're looking for volunteers to join with the medical professionals and really elongate the uh, impact that these facilities have. On a personal note, I have shared with you some of my personal triumphs over sarcoidosis, sort of my uh, keep fighting mantra, if you will, Uh, which means to me, I have sarcoidosis, but I'm not going to let it keep me down. Um, There's some, yes, permanent damage to my body, but I am plugging ahead and, uh, and I'm doing so happily. And when I talk about the Sark Fighter podcast offering you an opportunity for hope. Uh, Today, I'll just share a little bit of my personal story with you because I'm just back from Disney World, right? With two of my sons and their wives and four of my seven grandchildren. And I will just, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, These two sons, Jonathan and Ben, are kind of famous in the Disney World arena. They host the Super Carlin Brothers channel on YouTube, and they also have a wildly popular podcast called Popcorn Culture. And so Jonathan and Ben uh, have uh, have basically what they are is uh, they look at and review what's going on in the Disney universe and in the fandom universe, which extends to Marvel Comics and Um, Harry Potter, uh, and and all types of different things related to Disney and Pixar and that sort of thing. And they became famous after publishing something called the Pixar Theory, which is the theory that all of the characters in all of the Pixar movies in the Pixar universe are actually connected. And they... Uh, along with uh, a theorist that they identify, whose name escapes me, but who the guy who first came up with the theory, and then Jonathan and Ben put it on YouTube, and it just exploded. But they can make a strong case for all the ways that all the characters in the Pixar universe are somehow related. And it's kind of fun. 
to look at it, think about it. So anyway, um, Disney is big in our family, and Jonathan and Ben have just joined uh, the vacation club down at Disney, which is uh, which is interesting, but it allowed us to upgrade our accommodations, and it's it's fun to walk around with them because their fans will recognize them and ask to take selfies and so forth. But most of all, for me and for my wife Mary, it's just all about being there with the family. Now, the first thing I have to point out was that the weather was amazing. It's now February of 2023, and the news has been all about the polar vortex sliding down into the United States, a little piece of, uh, of the uh, Arctic, sliding down into New England, in fact, in Mount Washington in New Hampshire, which is nowhere near where I live, but it is often, it's the highest point um, in the Northeast, and it's the, often usually the coldest point, and they've had wind chills under 100 degrees below zero. And I listened to an interview with one of the researchers there, and he said that they achieved the coldest temperatures on record ever, not even just the wind chill, but just on the thermometer ever at Mount Washington this week. So, and and that cold weather slid down into Virginia, where I live. So let me just say that escaping that and being in Orlando was amazing. The weather was perfect, short sleeves, shorts. And in fact, one day I found myself thinking, this is a bit too hot for me. I need to go sit in the shade for a while. But I was not going to complain about it. That's for sure. Now, the big thing is being there with my family. I will tell you that for me personally, Disney's not my thing. Okay. Uh, it's become my thing. I'm growing fonder and fonder of it, or more and more fond. I have to think about the proper way to say that. But anyway, if you gave me a choice of, say, fly fishing in Montana, or riding my bike for a bicycle vacation, or skiing, or snorkeling, or, you know, pretty much anything outdoors, I would choose that uh, over Disney. Uh, On the other hand, uh, all my grandkids are five and under, and they are not ready to get in a canoe and paddle across a lake with me in any you know particular meaningful way. And so Disney is pretty much the, the easiest way to interact with, with the kids. And there is nothing so special as watching the excitement in their eyes as they take in all, all that stimulation at Disney World. And best, the best thing is one of these little hands grabbing my finger and saying, Come on, Papa, let's go look at this. Or come on, Papa, I, I want that toy. And, you know, there's the teasing and, and there's there's merch everywhere. But you know what? I'll take it. I will take it. So the little hand tugging on me, and I'm Papa John, by the way. So we have Nana Mary and Papa John, and that those are our grandparent names, and I own it proudly. Um, so we had just finished the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, and we're going through the store. You have to go through the gift shop on the way out of the ride, right? They've got you. Um, and and Guardians of the Galaxy has a character called Groot, G-R-O-O-T, which is kind of like a talking tree. Um, and then they have baby Groot. And so my oldest grandson, Luke, pulls me over, and he's looking at all the different things in the gift shop. And they, for 10 bucks, they had this baby Groot 
rubber toy, but when you squeeze when you squeeze it, the eyes pop out, and then when you let go of it, the eyes pop back in, and that became that became the toy for at least a couple of days that Luke uh, that I purchased for him for ten dollars, not bad. And he hugged it and carried it everywhere in the stroller and popped the eyes out and popped them back in and laughed every time we did it. And that, and that you know, that that little thing was amazing. And again, for me, it's just, okay, yeah, I have sarcoidosis. And so my legs don't work the way they once did because I have it on my spinal cord. Um, but... I can walk around Disney and I can push the stroller. I have to sit and rest every once in a while, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there and I'm doing it. And it was amazing. And then uh, one morning we had breakfast in Cinderella's castle, my son, Ben, his wife, Alice, and my uh, granddaughter, Addison or Addie, as we call her, were there in Cinderella's castle. And then throughout the trip, we met the characters, Mickey, uh, Minnie, Donald Duck, uh, even Kevin the bird from Up was out walking around, and you see the kids when they see the characters, and it's it's just amazing, you know. And so here's the thing: everyone who has shared their story here on the Sark Fighter podcast has been knocked back in some way by sarcoidosis. They just can't do what they once did, or to the extent that they're used to doing it: running, walking, hiking, parenting, working. Even for some people who've been on the podcast, getting out of bed have, have become a challenge. Um, and so it's a fact that Sark creeps in and it steals the life that we once had. Now, you know, in many cases, Sark just goes away on its own. And if it does, fantastic. But for those of us for whom it's become chronic and always lurking there in the background or sometimes in the foreground, we have to adapt to the new normal, and then in many cases it shows up again, sometimes years later, and it creates new problems, and then there is a new new normal, uh, and we have to adjust again. So I am determined to do as much as I can while I can, just in case. And so this trip to Disney with the grandkids is just another one where I feel like I prevailed, and I share that story with you because yeah, to me, this is another case of hope, and it, it's just an opportunity to uh, to look at um, how I, in particular this time, uh, was able to fight back against sarcoidosis. Now, Royce Robertson, speaking of that, a fellow Sark fighter who was on my previous episode, episode 79, and I have continued to exchange emails, and we talked about this in the podcast, about a fundraising bike ride that he would like to do this summer and a ride that I would like to join him on. And so we are now looking at the week of the 4th of July, riding our bike over three days from Buffalo, New York to Syracuse, New York. That's just under 200 miles and riding along the old Erie Canal route, uh, pretty much along the Empire Trail. And if this gets going, we'll be reaching out to do some fundraising to fight sarcoidosis. Um, and we also would be reaching out to other people in the Sark fighter community who might want to join us. So if you've got some interest, I'll put my uh, email address and, uh, and Royce's email address in the show notes. And if you can ride a bike and you think you might be able to do 
75 flat miles a day for a couple of days and then maybe uh, just under 50 on the third day. And this is something that's interesting to you. It is a plan that is beginning to come together. Uh, I've got my wife, Mary, on board, I think. She's also a cyclist. And so we are now looking at driving up from Virginia and joining Royce for this ride. Um, So stay tuned and either get your bicycle or your checkbook handy because uh, last time it was just sort of an idea and now it's an idea that is beginning to take shape. And I feel like Royce will do the ride even if for whatever reason it doesn't work out for me and Mary. But so far, so good. We are, uh, we are still formulating this, but it is looking more and more like something that could happen. And I hope it could become a great fundraiser to fight sarcoidosis. And I'll be back with more right after this. I feel like a zombie Just feeding at stumbling Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter podcast. Just want to let you know, uh, I do not have an interview uh, in this episode. As I mentioned, I'm just back from Disney, and as luck would have it, some friends have invited us to visit their home in Florida. So I'll be out of town again for a week, and yes, I will be enjoying the sunshine, and I'll be dodging the polar vortex. Uh, But I do have some interviews scheduled. Uh, The next one that I know of for sure is a young woman, a mother of four, who is a marathon runner and even an ultra marathon runner. And suddenly she is sidelined with sarcoidosis. She found the podcast and she's reached out. And even though she's early in her journey, she has agreed to come on and talk about how they've done a biopsy and found sarcoidosis uh, pretty much in, in several organs in her body. And so she has agreed to be interviewed. And so she's coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast. And also, uh, I'm also just trying to find the proper date for Dr. Farouk Sheik, MD, a medical director and advanced heart failure program at Georgetown University outside Washington, D.C. And so Dr. Sheik is coming on and we want to get him on in February because don't forget February is heart month. And I want to just go through a couple of more things with, uh, with respect to different aspects of things happening in the world of sarcoidosis. So February is National Heart Month. And remind you that cardiac sarcoidosis is diagnosed in between 2 to 5% of all patients with sarcoidosis. So it is not the most common place that sarcoidosis presents, but it is a common place. And I've had several people on when sarcoidosis shows up in your heart. That's a big problem, right? Because uh, what you get is uh, you get the granulomas and then you can get the scar tissue and there can be permanent damage 
to your heart. Uh, and some reports show that the incidence of cardiac sarcoidosis post-mortem in the United States is as high as 20 to 30 percent. So unfortunately, some people die from sarcoidosis. And then after they die, it is discovered that they had sarc in their heart. So this is something that we want you to, to think about. And this is also uh, something that some of the uh, symptoms that I can tell you about include irregular heartbeats, which can feel like palpitations or skipped beats, lightheartedness or fainting, and shortness of breath, coughing, or tightness in the chest. All can be similar symptoms of pulmonary sarcoidosis, but it can actually be cardiac sarcoidosis. And I will put a link in the show notes to more information because this is February and it is National Heart Month. So look in the show notes for that link. But just just be aware and conscious that this can be a problem. Okay. And uh, don't forget the deadline is approaching to become a part of the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance. I talked about that a little bit earlier in the podcast. The official Sark Fighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. You can hear Mark's story behind the lyrics back in episode 12. And if you listen to that song, Zombie, it is very much sarcoidosis related. Remember, the Sark Fighter podcast is released every other Monday. As I'm speaking today, my trusty dog, Dougal, has once again abandoned me because Mary is home and she's working down at her computer in our den. And so he's on the couch. I think I don't think he likes Mary better than me. I think he likes the couch in our den better than the chair in my office. I'm going to go with that. But often he is curled up here in the chair in my office. And I just want to say that my rescue dog, Dougal, makes my life so much better, no matter which chair upon which he is curled. <laughs> I just want to say that Dougal makes my life better. Don't forget to follow me on social media, Sark Fighter, on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm even on Peloton as Sark Fighter. My cycling blog called Carl and the Cyclist has a section called Cycling with Sarcoidosis, and it now has an associated YouTube channel called Biking for Boomers. If you are new here and just trying to figure out what sarcoidosis is, listen to Episode 2 with Dr. Simon Hart. My, episode, my story is in Episode 2. The backstory to the founding of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is Episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. They started FSR at their kitchen table more than 20 years ago. Send me an email. It's in the show notes, carlinagency at gmail.com. I appreciate your interest in the Sark Fighter podcast. It helps me reach more people and grow the show if you would share it on your social media. If you like it, just tell one person and give the show a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Carlin. Until next time, keep fighting.
Whoa! 